The brands we love most are those with big hearts, those who do what's right even when it's a difficult thing to do, those who help those around them even when it hurts the bottom line, and those who stand for something and drive change even in the face of adversity. These are the brands that make the world a better place to live, and their stories must be told. In this podcast, we share their stories in hope that others will be inspired to follow. Welcome to Brand Heart. Hello and welcome to Brand Heart. I'm your host, Jeff Friedman, and today I'm joined by Darren Bascom, the Managing Director of Proverb Agency in Boston, along with Chris Needham, the Managing Partner of Proverb Agency. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank Great. you. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Sure. Well, actually, just before we begin, uh, Darren, I do want to congratulate you on being named the uh, Small Business CEO of the Year by the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce recently. So congratulations. It's a big honor. Yeah, no, it certainly is. So yeah, we're thrilled. Excellent. Well, um, maybe before we get into the discussion, if you can share a little bit about Proverb, what do you guys do over there? Sure. Uh, so at Proverb, we're an agency, uh, you know, we focus you know, largely on the built environment. Uh, and by that, I mean sort of placemaking, place branding. Uh, you know, these could be anything from, you know, uh, buildings uh, to institutions to neighborhoods. You know, they're the locations that make a city great, uh, that make it vibrant. Uh, you know, and our role is uh, helping to fill them with soul. And helping cities build a soul. So what does that mean? How do you help cities and places build souls? Yeah, so, you know, we... Um, you know, we think a lot about, you know, sort of what are the problems that uh, one is looking to try to solve. And uh, if you're going to go through the trouble and it's interesting to be having this conversation in the midst of a pandemic, uh, you know, trying to get people to convene in a particular location, uh, you know, and whether that's to live, work, play or shop, you know, how do you do that with, you know, a maximum sense of purpose? Uh, you know, with a clear point of view, uh, you know, to do that in ways that are inclusive, uh, you know, and to do those in ways that are compelling. You know, we have a lot of choices. Uh, so, you know, we think long and hard about sort of, you know, where we choose to spend time and why. Interesting. And, and Jeff, I would just add that, um, you know, sometimes giving soul is creating more depth. Um, and sometimes that comes from interesting uh, sort of historical pieces about a building or an area that we sort of weave into our narrative or storytelling through proverb um, that really makes people um, interested or be able to grab onto something or feel a connection through that storytelling and narrative. Right. So you don't want just people to go there. You want something people to go to these places and feel something and feel connected and feel a sense of belonging and purpose when they're there. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes yeah. them happier and want to stay longer and uh, feel more enriched. So Darren, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you're in, you guys are in the placemaking space and you mentioned COVID and how you know, interesting we're having this conversation right now. I imagine the whole idea of how you plan spaces is gonna change. So what is that looking like? What does your future look like as a professional, you know, soul infuser into spaces? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. Almost everything is being rethought right now. Uh, you know, everything from uh, sort of issues of, you know, personal safety, right? And, you know, how do you ensure that, you know, if I go to this location, 
uh, that it's not going to negatively impact my health. Uh, you know, people are rethinking, you know, sort of, uh, you know, what's the role of an office, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, how much of one do I need and why, uh, you know, we're thinking about um, sort of how dense uh, a location uh, tends to be, you know, um, you know, one of our active projects right now is um, Dorchester Bay City. Uh, you know, Dorchester is, uh, you know, Boston's most diverse neighborhood. Uh, you know, this location is uh, sort of right uh, on the water. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, and we're, we're thinking about sort of how do we build on sort of the best of uh, what that neighborhood has been about, you know, everything from the fact that it's been incredibly welcoming uh, to uh, sort of the fact that it's connected on the red line and how do we, uh, you know, both use, uh, you know, that transit hub, but also how do we introduce additional ones, you know, given that we're in the midst uh, you know, of a pandemic, uh, right. you know, and, and thinking about everything from, you know, using the water as an asset and uh, having perhaps a, a fleet of, of water taxis, you know, that might be able to get you over to Logan or uh, okay. to downtown. Uh, you know, we're thinking about uh, sort of the mental health, you know, and physical health of someone, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, the quality of the air, uh, sort of the types of programming that you offer. You know, all of these things are incredibly important, you know, whether you're choosing to live, uh, you know, in Dorchester Bay City, or set up a company here, or you know, spend a you know a Saturday night. Right. Do you think that these, the way in which you're thinking about Dorchester Bay net right now, are those questions that are temporary, short term, or is this the future of how we need to be thinking about placemaking? It's it's both. You know, we've had you know on average you know four pandemics a century for the last few centuries. You know, and, uh, you know, and even, you know, on the other side of, you know, what happened in China and in Hong Kong on the other side of SARS or what happened in New York City on the other side of 9-11, you know, there's a desire uh, to, to be around each other. I, I believe that we're social creatures. I think that we feed off of each other's energy, uh, you know, and, and certainly there is uh, a need to figure out how do we do that in ways that are both safe, you know, but that also address social needs. And Jeff, I was okay. just going to add one point about um, one of our largest clients or many of our uh, real estate placemaking clients um, pride themselves on the communities that they build. And often those interactions happen inside um, their amenity spaces, a lobby, a living room, a bar or a pool on the roof. And, um, you know, it's just speaking a lot more narrowly than more narrowly than Darren was just like tactically, how they're really interested in how they continue to create these communities and how do they activate these specially curated spaces uh, with with what's happening and with COVID and with what the future looks like. So we're really trying to help them navigate that as well. So, I mean, a lot of what you guys do is is really bringing communities together and bringing people together. And and like, you know, we said earlier, maybe finding a sense of belonging. And, you know, for those who are listening, we're recording this on the Wednesday after a lot of protesting, um, after there have been, you know, riots around the country. Um, and we need to create, you know, we need to change. We need to be a better community. We need to be better together. We need to be more accepting, be more open, more understanding of one another. And I'm curious how we can improve the world through community and, and what do we do and kind of, and, and especially Darren, as a black CEO, 
curious to get your perspective on where we go from here. I, I, I think that too many people are either disenfranchised or disinvited. Uh, and uh, I, you know, to physical spaces, you know, uh, you know, we live in Boston that has its own unique set of challenges. You know, and whether we're talking about public institutions, you know, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, sort of hospitality uh, outposts, uh, you know, whether we're talking about college campuses, things along those lines. You know, I think that there's a real need to be sort of much more clear and intentional in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, who these spaces are for, uh, you know, and how people can get to participate in them. Um, you know, and, and I would say that, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, if you want things to be different, then you have to do things differently. And, uh, you know, and I think right. oftentimes with companies, uh, you know, the onus is on, on us uh, to decide uh, sort of what are the things that we're looking to change in our organizations. Uh, you know, companies solve large problems every day. Uh, you know, I, I think that you need to measure uh, sort of where you are right now and, you know, where it is that you're looking to be, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, six months from now or, or six years from now, uh, you know, and if it's about, you know, sort of the mission of your organization or your product mix or sort of what your staffing looks like or the impact that you're looking to have in the world. Um, you know, all of those things, uh, you know, will only be addressed uh, if you first come up with a clear set of goals. Uh, come up with procedures to be able to implement those goals, you know, and hold yourselves accountable. Right. And so what are some of those goals that people should be thinking about right now? What are reasonable, achievable um, goals and, and how do you get there? Well, I mean, like, I think that, you know, some of the underlying issues, uh, you know, that certainly a pandemic like uh, COVID, uh, exposes or, or amplifies, um, you know, are really uh, about sort of the, the inequality around wealth uh, in this country. And, um, you know, and, and so certainly, uh, you know, uh, having a significant in income uh, is sort of one step uh, towards addressing uh, those types of issues, uh, sort of looking at ways in which uh, sort of more and more people can participate in, uh, you know, home ownership and, and things along those lines. But I would say that you know specifically within our companies, uh, you know, looking at everything from uh, you know our staffing practices, who do we hire and why, uh, when uh, opportunities come up, sort of uh, where are we looking and sort of what networks are we using, uh, you know, ensuring that when you actually have sort of a diverse team, uh, that they really have sort of the agency and backup or sponsorship, uh, you know, for them to be able to uh, sort of speak up uh, or feel like you know, they have a clear sense of how to promote themselves or get promoted right. uh, within an organization. Uh, I would say that, you know, looking at, you know, things like your procurement practices, uh, you know, and uh, sort of, uh, you know, what organizations that you use and why. I mean, you know, typically with most companies, you know, we do business with people that we like and that we know. And, right. uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, even things like, you know, using, you know, our networks or leaning on the networks of others uh, to get to like and know some other people. Uh, you know, Chris had mentioned sort of one of our large clients, you know, and, and uh, you know, that relationship came about as a result of an introduction, you know, someone who knew about the work that we had done with, you know, hot boutique hotels and restaurants mm -hmm. and, 
uh, and what have you, and, and saw that it was applicable uh, to what was happening in, in multifamily uh, at that time and being able to use that type of thinking in this other category. I don't know if we would have been able to make that entree you know, or introduction you know, just on our own. Right. Well, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I think, as you said, we need to be a little bit more intentional about all of this. And at some level, you know, we've been saying this for a long time, right? And, and we keep saying we need to be more intentional, we need to set goals. And then we have things like this weekend and or last week, and it feels like we're not making much progress. And mm-hmm. I, and I, you know, it saddens me to say that. What else can we do? What, in your opinion, what's getting in the way? Is it, you know, I have, I have a personal feeling where, is it lack of education? Are we, is the world kind of are these blips happening and then we forget about it? Is there education that needs to be happening or other things in the world that we need to do beyond just, you know, to, to make the action stick and make it more permanent? You know, I, I think it's, um, I think education is certainly a key part of this, right? And, uh, you know, and that's something that uh, all of us need to do. Um, you know, and because uh, I think it starts there, I, I think that, you know, certainly protests and, you know, social campaigns are another way to begin to sort of build that awareness. Um, you know, but without, without significant political will, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, it's often said that a, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, you know, that um, we really need to sort of address sort of many of the root causes of these issues, you know, and, uh, you know, you look at, you know, what we've been able to do in this country over the last three months, uh, you know, uh, you know, and sort of how much money we've printed, you know, into solving, uh, you know, something that we thought was in our collective best interests. You know, I, I you know, I, I don't think that, uh, you know, we can continue to move forward, you know, without uh you know faith in our social contracts you know right. and, and certainly you know the protests that are happening right now uh sort of amplify that i would say that sort of the concern that people have around sort of just our you know the quality of our, of our leadership and the quality of our information i mean all these things are about you know social contracts interesting so when, when you say social contracts can you define that a little bit just so people yeah, can really know, understand what you mean by that yeah so i mean like it's 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 the agreements that we have uh, sort of with each other as people uh, and the agreements that we have with the institutions that we create, you know, so whether that's government, uh, you know, whether that is uh, sort of the press, um, you know, or, or, or otherwise. And, and so, you know, I, I think that sort of all of those things are being called into question right now. And, um, you know, and especially sort of like what is our obligation to each other? you know, to, you know, if we're all here, right. uh, you know, in this country, uh, you know, how do we create ways that, you know, all of us collectively can participate? Right. Well, I think it's interesting, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, a couple months ago, you know, when the nation, you know, the crisis pandemic happened, the government was able to print, as you said, trillions of dollars at some level to help everyone. And the reality is, we've been in this other crisis for much longer than three months and the government um can they do something similar right can we really take a step and address this as quickly as urgently as they have COVID 19. Mm-hmm. and i'm curious like what are, what are there steps you believe they could take right now if, if this was kind of deemed the next pandemic right the equivalent of a pandemic 
what could happen? What, like, what would be, wow, if they could do this, mm-hmm. we could really make an impact. Yeah, I mean, I mean, government is us, right? And, and so, you know, the, the government is what we want it to be, uh, you know, and uh, or what we force it to be. You know, and, and so I, I would say that, you know, certainly, uh, you know, uh, civic participation is a big part of that. Voting is a big part of that. Uh, being really clear in terms of what the goals actually are. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm not a first generation entrepreneur. I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are things that uh, benefited me. Um, you know, as I was starting the company in terms of, uh, you know, having a little bit of backup or having some perspective or things along those lines. I think it's hard uh, to, um, you know, make the risk of starting a company uh, if, um, if you can't afford to make a mistake. Right. right. You know? and, and, so I, and so to me, uh, sort of looking at ways in which, you know, you can create more opportunities for more people, you know, to be able to to take those types of risks, you know, right. or start a company, so interesting, or, or build a business, or or, any, or scale a business, right? Uh, it really does come to opportunity quite a bit. Um, so, any other advice to to businesses, to individuals, as to what we can be doing to drive change right now? You know, I you know. You know, Michael Porter oftentimes talks about you know this idea of um, of you know doing the right thing as a company is also about having the the permission to continue to move forward. You know, and I and I think that uh, you know unless the business community really sort of gets behind us in a serious way, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know we'll continue to to deal with social unrest. Uh, you know, we'll continue to sort of wrestle with these same issues. Uh, time and time again, you know, I think that, you know, certainly, you know, as a company in terms of our GDP or anything along those lines, uh, you know, we can maximize that, uh, you know, if we, um, uh, if we don't leave so many people um, out of the picture. Interesting. Well, Darren, I, I'm also curious, you know, you, we mentioned earlier, it's about where you look for people and staff. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, how to how do people listening to this kind of know where to go, right? Because we all have our own circles. We all have our own places mm-hmm. we go. Where, where should we all be looking and where can we, um, and you know, so what are those circles we need to involve ourselves in or introduce ourselves to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you first have to be willing to be uncomfortable. Right. And, and to do things that aren't intuitive, you know, and I think that oftentimes, you know, in a crisis, you know, our muscle memory is to go back to the things that we already know how to do, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and, so I, and so I would say that, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, reaching out to organizations like the partnership, you know, reaching out to, you know, we're part of an organization called uh, REIS, which is Real Estate Executive Council. You know, mm-hmm. it's a national network uh, sort of focused on the commercial real estate industry. You know, we're helping them to support, you know, a program that's, uh, you know, developing the next generation of talent of color that will be uh, sort of well positioned to participate uh, in uh, in the commercial real estate industry. You know, I would say that uh, sort of reaching out to uh, people who uh, you know you might admire or uh, that um, have been able to do these things successfully. You know, whether it's uh, you know build a diverse team, 
uh, that might be having an, a certain kind of impact in the world. You know, right. but, but I don't think that any of this stuff uh, starts or will be delivered, you know, without, um, you know, real intentionality uh, and real follow through. Right. Can I add one point um, that yeah. I think might add a, a little flavor? Um, and Darren has the gift of um, being very visionary and, and talking at a very high level. But if I could just sort of connect the dot to even a way that we're working towards that um, and is with our hiring practices. So we talk about opportunities and wealth and you know real estate, um, but having to Darren's point, a, a well-paying job is, is key to those things. And so beyond education, like how, I think the statistic is that most ad agencies have 2% black or brown people on them. And so, you know, we, uh, we were in the habit of saying some of our um, team members, well, of course I am vetting them evenly and equally. And, um, you know, there's no prejudice. But what we found was the mediums that they were getting sort of the lists or um, potential candidates to work for us were not diverse. So mm. I say that to just say that, like, you have to go a little deeper going back to our initial conversation about depth and um, think, you know, outside the box beyond what you're used to. And to Darren's point, to be uncomfortable with that. And Darren, I don't know if you know of, just to be really tactical and help people today, some of the um, agent, you know, some of the um, platforms that we um, work towards getting an actual diverse group of uh, potential employees that we can hire. Do you know any offhand? I mean, certainly the partnership can be helpful with that. Uh, Ad color uh, can be helpful with that. You know, okay. uh, we'll rely on sort of our own personal networks. Uh, you know, looking at colleges and universities. Uh, you know, that you know sort of have. You know, that may either be in cities, uh, you know, that have significant representation or college bodies that have a significant uh, representation. Um, uh, you know, historically black colleges and universities can also be a, a great uh, opportunity in terms of uh, building that pipeline. You know, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I think that there are sort of many ways uh, to, um, to approach something like this. But to Chris's point, you know, you, you really need to... Uh, uh, be clear about sort of what the goals are. You know, in, in some cases, it may be that, you know, we're not going to make a hire until we've interviewed uh, a pool of people that meet all of these criteria. Right. Uh, you know, and and so, you know, again, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these ways to be able to ensure that, uh, you know, you have enough deal flow you know, in order to be able to uh, choose the right candidate, you know, because if you don't have that, you know, the, the cycle just uh, continues on, you know, right. I, I would say that the other piece of it is that it's, um, you know, for us, uh, you know, just having that diversity, and, and we think about it, not just in terms of race, but in terms of, you know, national origin, or whether your English is your first language, or if you're dealing with a, a disability, or, you know, uh, your uh, LGBTQ, um, you know, that, that all of these things can be opportunities to help interrupt groupthink, right? Uh, you know, and that that's really uh, key to uh, 
you know, innovating in any kind of regular way. Right. Well, I think it's interesting as, you know, we're all, we mentioned we need to, we need diverse thinking to solve the diversity problem, but it's almost like this chicken and the egg, right? Because then we get groups of, you know, uh, non-diverse groups trying to figure out how to solve a, the diversity problem. So we need to get ahead of this. We need to invite others into our circles sooner rather than later so that we can get diverse perspectives to solve this together. And and when I, when I if, if I kind of summarize what I've heard from you, from both of you is, Number one, we have to be intentional. We have to set real goals. We have to be committed to this. We have to be intentional about doing it. Um, we need to get uncomfortable as we do it. Recognize that it's not easy, right? We need to introduce ourselves um, to new groups. We need to go to places we've never been before. We need to do things the ways that we haven't done that before. And, you know, and maybe the end of that is we need to take action and we need to be committed to it and we need to continue with it. And this needs to be permanent, not temporary. Um, did, did that summarize? Did I miss something in that summary that maybe at a high level? I think you did a good job, but Darren, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that, that was great. Probably the only thing that I would add is, uh, you know, when you're inviting difference into your company, you're also going to, uh, invite, uh, conflict. Interesting. And, and, and so, uh, you know, it goes so, that uncomfortable piece again. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and so how do you actually ensure that you have a culture? you know, that allows people to be able to negotiate differences, uh, you know, to actually feel like they're being heard, uh, to feel like they're not putting themselves at risk or their career at risk. You right. know, they just, uh, you know, uh, toe the party line. Um, you know, and so it's, and so it really is, is sort of more complicated, you know, um, but, um, you know, but you, you really need to sort of think these things. Right. Uh, you know, and, uh, there isn't one size fits all. Like it's, you know, it's it's you know, it's like the Sam Beckett quote. You know, you know, try again, fail again, fail better. Right. Right. <laughs> and and so you know, and and so things are going to come up. You know, but if you're committed to this goal, you know, you'll continue to figure out how to uh, how to do things better. Yeah. And I would right. say the last piece of it is that you also need to to let figure out what things you can let go of. You know, in in terms of uh, you know decision making power, the way that things have been done historically. Mm. You know, those are all things that uh, I think sometimes you need to uh, lessen the reins on. Right. And simply, change is hard. Change is, 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 is hard work and people for the most part don't really want to do it. So, you know, you have to get comfortable with, with that as well. Yeah. Goes back to that uncomfortableness, right? But we all need to feel it. Um, well, guys, it was, it was really great speaking with both of you today. Um, thank you for all you're doing. Thanks for the insights as um, not only on place making, but of course, as to kind of how we move forward as a society and, and, and become a more uh, inclusive um, community nationwide, worldwide. Um, if people do want to learn about Proverb, where can they go to, to learn about you guys? Yeah, so you can find us at uh, proverbagency.com. Uh, you can hit us up on you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, or Facebook. Uh, you know, and you can certainly uh, sort of reach out to either one of us you know, if you want to learn more about our work or you know, our experience. Great. Well, thank you both for being on the show. Take care, and I'm looking forward to seeing you again soon. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Brand Heart. We hope that today's episode inspired you to spread goodness and help those in need. 
If you know of a brand going above and beyond to help others, please share it with us via Twitter at showbrandheart. Brandheart is a production of Small Army, a Finn Partners company. To learn more, visit smallarmy.net or finpartners.com.